And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey there, friends. Welcome in. This is Rates and Barrels. I'm Chris Welsh. That is Eno Saris. We are glad to have you here as the season is coming to a close, and we are a little bit later. A little bit later in the week, we said we're getting you two episodes a week uh, on this final stretch. But why? Why are we here on Wednesday? Well, that's because Eno was a uh, traveling man. So, Eno, where were you headed? Where, where in the world was Eno Saris this week? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a tough uh, couple of days. I am super, super tired. Um, I took a red eye uh, Sunday night to, to Miami and like... I cannot sleep on red eyes. Like, I don't know how people do those. Like I got, I got like a, a total muscle strain and like didn't sleep at all. What is then special about this, a red eye? I don't think I've ever taken a, a red eye. Like it's where you go, where Just you a leave plane? to the East. Well, you leave to the East coast. Well, you sleep, you fly through the night. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you leave for the East coast at like midnight and you arrive at like five, 6 a.m. Uh, it sucks. Know. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, does it, planes in general, I'm a tall guy. So planes in general. Are yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. That, that was part of it too. I mean, I think you might even be taller, but I, at six, two, like I just, I like couldn't, and I had an aisle seat and I was just like, um, banging but, at you. Yeah, I'm uh, six foot four. So yeah, it's a nightmare for me. Yeah. So. I thought you were telling me. So yeah. Then I don't know. Then I had this, uh, advertising shoot that I did and that I did get to uh, uh, Marlins Park for the first time, so that's twenty-two for me. How many how many parks have you been to? I'm a loser. I've been to like <laughs> three or four. I've been. To, it's diamond. I, I just I have no travel in my world. It's really actually depressing. But it's if you counted like minor league parks. Oh, know. minor league. But well, even then, even minor league parks like <laughs> going outside Arizona of Arizona. Ones. All Arizona, I've got locked down. But yeah, I mean, I'm I was raised in Northern California, so A's Giants. Been to the Angels, been to the Diamondbacks, and that is it. That is not it even Dodgers. Dodgers State. Uh, not even Dodgers. Never been to Dodgers Stadium. I know. Or Padres. Uh, not even Padres. Nope. Mm. I know. What a loser. What a lo- well, twenty-two uh, for you. So let's hear it. Well, Miami uh, was interesting to me because it uh, gave off real water park vibes. So first of all, it's Miami, so it's like hot and sticky, right? So that's kind of like water park, right? Okay. Uh, then because it's Miami, it's indoor uh, and so there's echoes. So when people are talking, there's echoes and that's totally a water park thing for me. Oh, yeah. That's you like know? Great like, Wolf. Like, remember when you and I, like, in the same week, yeah, yeah. we went to, like, the Great Wolf Are there Lodge? echoes? Yeah. I yeah. think of a water park, I think of echoes. Like, okay. It's like, just, like, people laughing and, like, weird echoes, you know? And then the, the floor is that gray kind of um, sticky tape uh, floor that you know that like it's a little bit rough so that you have some grip when it's wet you know yep so uh and then the color scheme is gray and blue and white i was just like this is a water park <laughs> it's like are you ready for them ever... to give you a wristband that your credit card's exactly. attached to and that's how you're gonna order your nachos and yeah i think if they ever you know need to repurpose that one when they get a new one or whatever god forbid but uh 
Uh, they could totally turn that into a water park. Otherwise, I kind of like the vibes in terms of it, it had like a bit of an art deco white. It's very like from the outside. It's like white and soaring and arches and stuff mm. because they had to put a place for the, like, I think the roof might be retractable. So like the, the, there's like all these like kind of soaring arches. I thought it was kind of cool looking from the outside. It had an interesting vibe inside. Some good food. I had a Venezuelan hot dog, which is like 14 inches and had um, fries on it. Like little crispy fries, like little thin fries. Yeah. Okay. Crispy fries and mayo and relish and mayo? mustard and tomato. I mean, it was it's like a fully loaded thing. What made it Venezuelan? That sounds very Midwestern. Um, With fries uh, and mayo and it sounds like a poutine uh, hot dog. Yeah, I mean, it was it was ridiculous. There's a picture on my on my Twitter account. It's just really ridiculous. I really wish I'd gotten the Arepas just had too much cheese and I'm not doing cheese right now. And then uh, they had some they apparently they had a Venezuelan steak sandwich somewhere that I missed. I walked around that thing. Twice, I'm still but... missing what the Venezuelan is. OK, so did you what game did you catch? Uh, it was Edward Cabrera against Jose Budo. So are we good with Edward Cabrera moving forward? I don't know. I've always been good with him. Like, yeah, I know, yeah. I, he didn't walk anybody. Uh, I mean, he walked somebody, but like he, it wasn't like a, it wasn't a bad command outing. He, I think he kept them down to one or two. I think they lost in the ninth. Um, Budo was pretty good too. Uh, so it was a, it was a good pitching matchup. Um, you know, turf stadiums that have a weird vibe too, the weird look, you know, it's that, that green shimmery green grass instead of like actual grass, you know? Did you take any time uh, to talk to any players while you were out there, or did was it purely uh, just hang out as a no, fan? No, the shoot enjoy? the shoot went to like you know fifteen minutes before the game, so I just went straight over to the game, but um, didn't really talk to anybody. It was fun. I mean, there were, and the, maybe some attendance issues. Uh, it's kind of funny for a team that was playing a division rival. I guess it was a Tuesday night or Monday night, um, but. Um, Anyway, uh, it was uh, somewhere. It wasn't as bad as Oakland, no way. But um, uh, more people in San Francisco, and they're making a big deal in San Francisco about attendance. You know, you know, a Tuesday night in San Francisco is probably like twenty five k, and I would guess there was about fifteen k, eighteen k at the uh, in Marlin Stadium uh, that night. So, and but get- it, it got going a little bit once it was a Monday night. And it was an early start, so you know once. Near the end, it was there were fans there. Last thing, anything good on the drinks? Did we uh, had a Miami Pale Ale? There was a, a, a I think it's uh, sorry if I get it wrong, but I think it's like Biscayne Bay Brewing or something. There's a there's a like a, a craft beer bar behind home plate uh, that's a, that that's had for you a, a couple of things. Yeah, I had a couple of things there. Uh, uh, a lot of people drinking lagers out of boots. Mm. <laughs> Big. Big frosty. None of what you said has felt very Miami to me. You're like, there's a hot dog with mayo on it, and people are drinking out of boots. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this sounds like uh, a Arepas. There's some Arepas. Okay. Oh, and like, uh, like a, a fair amount of music. Like, I think I think when I was in the bathroom peeing, like instead of hearing the game being broadcast in the bathroom, it was like salsa music. Oh, yeah. you know, hey. <laughs> and people were like dancing. At the <laughs> <All urinals. right. laughs> I guess that bathroom is probably a lot like a water park as well. So then. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good travels. That's why uh, the show's a little yeah. bit later uh, out in Miami, uh, but you're back. back. Yeah. If you're on the YouTube, you can see the setting in the background that, Eno is back at home, which is good. 
And uh, remind you guys, you can always check out uh, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash rates and barrels. You guys want to subscribe, you can watch all the videos and you can go and pick up a subscription over at the athletic athletic.com slash rates and barrels. So, you know, if you know, decides to write an article about Venezuelan hot dogs or, you know, Edward Cabrera or whatever it is, you'll have access to it. That's the most important thing here. I've got a fun one coming up this Friday. Uh, my, I took four questions from my son. Oh, uh, so my, uh, 11 year old gave me four questions and I've been asking them, uh, in the, in the clubhouse. So. Oh, to players. Yeah. Oh, that's a really fun one. What uh, <laughs> what teams have been covered? Like, what any name of players uh, you can give us? I asked the A's, Padres, Giants, and Mariners the questions. Okay, very, very nice. Also, that Corbin Carroll article up there. Uh, I was not, me and him as best friends were not cited in the article, so I was very disappointed, but it's a great article. People want to check You're that in there. out. So. Oh, was I? I don't know if I, I, uh, I, I read, I did some weird. I thought it'd be okay. weird to quote. My podcast co-host. It would be yeah. the whole thing. Would be weird. <laughs> Someone was like, "Oh, why isn't Welsh and uh, Corbin?" I have this bit I do where I have that. I don't know if you've seen it. I take I took a picture with Corbin Carroll at that signing I did. I uh, was a part of, and we've had people Photoshop it of like me and Corbin Carroll are best friends and we're in front of the Grand Canyon and we're in front of here. So people run with that bit. So they're like, how could uh, Welsh and Carroll not be talked about in that? It would have been weird in general. I hope it's never acknowledged, by the way, because. He would be like, what is this? He's the nicest guy on the planet, but Corbin Carroll would be like, this is even weird for me. But- I used you guys on background. Uh, that's a term of art in, in writing, which is uh, details that you told me are in the piece. Yeah, I did see that. But they're not, uh, they're not attributed to somebody. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a fun read. You guys should go and check it out. Obviously, I have my love for that. And this article coming up actually sounds really, really fun. The questions from uh, Kid Eno. <laughs> And uh, yeah, going and, out there. And Felix actually got to uh, uh, ask Blake Snell his four questions in his video. <laughs> oh, my God. Is there really? That's yeah. awesome. Blake's actually really good with kids. So that, I bet that was. Oh, like he was. Real, he was. Yeah. He was really funny. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. seen him. He's very funny on the backfields with kids and stuff like that. So that's very. OK, mm-hmm. so they're all things you should be locked into. We're actually going to be talking about Blake Snell here um, in just a second. I do. I only want to start with this just to kind of get it out of the way. It would have been a perfect transition had I just done that. But um, I don't want to come back to it on uh, the Shohei Otani front. Shohei Otani, getting into the actual stuff, had elbow surgery. So we had been living in this little space of like, when's he going to do it? When's he going to leave? Since this time, I think from when you did the show with Al to uh, us doing it here, Shohei Otani cleared out his locker, went over to Japan. We knew that. And then he officially yesterday had surgery on his elbow. And the word out is that he expects to be ready or the start of the 2024 season, which you and I had kind of talked about, will not pitch, but will be ready in 2025 to pitch. So uh, do you have any thoughts on the surgery just fully happening? It's good to go. He's probably going to do recovery up until whenever, winter meetings or whatever it's going to be and how he's going to attack free agency. But, you know, is this is this falling along the lines of your expectations and how you're going to approach Otani going into next year? Kind of. I need to, I need, like, this is a little mini rant. <laughs> His agent is super weird. <laughs> I just, I have to get this out here because I don't know. Did you read the announcement? I, I, I think I cliff noted it, but I also read it like 24 hours ago. So I don't, I just remember it was like, he'll be ready to hit in 2024. So let's hear it. Nez Balelo is his agent. And 
your face. It's so annoying. You're Just ramping up. Just give us up. the information. Just give us the information. He wrote, the final decision in type of procedure was made with a heavy emphasis on the big picture. Mm. What procedure? Shohei wanted to make sure the direction taken gave him every opportunity to hit and pitch for many years to come. Thank you. That's obvious. What procedure? Said Neela Trache, MD, who performed the procedure. The ultimate plan after deliberation was to repair the issue at hand and to reinforce the healthy, healthy ligament in place while adding viable tissue for the longevity of the elbow. What procedure was it? Sounds like a campaign manager for a politician, by the way. That's it. Or in hockey, they they like upper body injury. Yes, he had a he had an elbow surgery. Yes, you do know that we know that there are elbow surgeries, arthroscopic, full TJ, internal brace. Now we're reading between the lines now, but this is what I, uh, I expected ahead of time because of the way he was talking about when he was going to have the surgery, the, the fact he was still playing. Uh, and the and the and the things we'd heard about where the tear was, it was in a different spot. And so uh, my uh, initial read was that it was going to be internal brace surgery. And Will Carroll is out here uh, writing that that's his read on the situation too. We're kind of yeah. reading between the lines with all the stuff they're saying. But internal brace, what's re- what's most interesting about internal brace, um, other than what what it is, is Instead of uh, like replacing the ligament and like you know Tommy John is like it's just like it's like a like a new ligament in there and and and, and reattaching and all that, uh, what you basically do is you put like a carbon fiber brace uh, around uh, mm. uh, inside the body around the the where the tear is, uh, and then you spray a bunch of collagen on it uh, to like keep it in place, uh, and then you sew the guy up again and uh, they're in a they're in a, like a sling for a while. And that brace hastens the the recovery process. Now, people who've done this have come back five to six months later to start throwing again. If you do the math, that's early season next year. Yeah. They've, they're saying he'll be able to hit without restrictions opening day 2024 and do both come 2025. But what I'm saying is there is a window for him to pitch in 2024. I'm not saying it's going to be a lot, but I think he's going to be working on it. He's going to come back to hit. And then at some point in the season, you're going to find out that he's throwing again. Most likely scenario to help a team too might just be to do it out of the bullpen. Like why not? Why not do short stints if you're going to be have a ton of, yeah. If you, how much, how many innings do you have? I mean, how much, you know, how much can you build up? How much can you build up and stretch out while you're still hitting? And how much are they? What would they want to stretch a guy out to three or four when you're kind of pushing a timetable? But what if you can push 25 pitches max one inning, help put him in a nine in, ninth inning role? Then maybe a team that's also looking for some pseudo type of closer or uh, not. Not that that's going to play any role. At the end of the day, like I like to pretend, and I'm probably being dumb about it. I like to pretend that there will be teams that are going to be kind of cautious in wanting to give money. This is why I've brought up a couple times that like, I feel like it's like insane to think that he might just like sign a, a, it's a one year or some type of deal where he can get out after a year or two with the angels because of familiarity if he does do that. I think he definitely pitches next year. Yeah. I, I, in a, right? like a bullpen role, but like, or something because he's going to want to show people I can pitch. But most likely that's not the scenario it, with the, how everything has gone down, you would expect. But I, I guess I look and I go, is every team going to just be cool with the arm thing? 
and the injury and just give him the exact amount that they expected? Or is everyone going to try to get a discount? Because if there's a discount, that's where I thought maybe you do this. Everyone, now uh, people come to the table yeah, and, and it becomes not a discount. But yeah, we talked about this a little bit, but I think that like, if I'm thinking about this, you know, you're risk averse, especially when you're giving someone millions of dollars. And which is like probably going to be half of plus. half a billion dollars. What the deal is going yeah, to be. Yeah, I think like. it might not get to that because of because of this, because of this injury. But see, that would might... be the point. Like, wouldn't you want to if that's the case, if someone if your max now is three hundred and fifty or even four and you think you can. Well, get I think five. the bidding starts at like three forty or three fifty, because what you can say is, you know, he is uh, at a decent age and uh, decent athleticism and a, and a good enough batter that like you'd want to sign him. Probably to more than the than the Xander Bogarts deal, you know, and uh, and maybe as a hitter, maybe less than the Trey Turner deal as a, as a position player. Right. So let's say you'd start at 310. Maybe the bidding starts at 310, 300, 310. That's a bit where the bidding starts as him as a hitter. Right. And so then it's going to be up to every team to be like, how much more are we going to pay him as a pitcher? And we talked about like Jamison Tyon. Like, let's say you throw the Jamison Tyon deal on top, 360. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I just can't right. imagine. I personally can't what imagine. What do you throw the Robbie Ray deal on top? 400. I think if it's anything less than 400, whatever the deal looks like is capped at two years. However it is. If it's a opt out after oh, two like years. Some sort of team opt out or something. I think like that team. I mean, listen to that agent who's out there. The, 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 the market. Like they're not anything sub 500, 500 million. I think is going to have something along the lines where there's some type of an out. And that's what I was kind of building to. It's like, that's cool if he's in relief. That probably doesn't mean much for a team outside of how nice it'll be if you've got someone else in the back end of the bullpen from this year that they could they're push. Signing, they're signing people to bigger and bigger relief deals. Yeah. So if you, let's say you just want to put Edwin Diaz on top of Xander Bogarts, like 350, 340. Yeah, I, we'll, we'll see where it is. I, I also do think, it could still not be with the angels. It could be with a, there's a lot of rumors like the Red Sox and stuff. It could be one of these teams for two years while he gives them a little bit of hitting, a little bit of pitching, and then you hit the market again, but we'll see where it goes either way. Like it is kind of stupid that we're sitting in a space where we're having to still speculate about what exactly was the surgery? Like, can you give us more details? They're not, but we know he did have the surgery. And as you mentioned with uh, Will Carroll and yourself here, that like this lines up, to that surgery that you mentioned where he will be ready for spring training and without restrictions in April. So 
Um, yeah, from a fantasy a good piece, I, re- I think I retweeted it, uh, or you can find it at on, uh, at the injury expert. There's a good piece he wrote about it on Substack about what the that type of surgery is, why he thinks he's getting it, and what the kind of time frame is. Yeah, Will's like, funny if that's what he he's has. like one of the yeah. best for that stuff. Um, you have like early best balls. Uh, we talked about uh, first pitch. There's like those early drafts and stuff in November. Just know, draft him as a hitter. Knowing well, that's all that I think you can. But knowing what you know now. Is he, I, I think best balls, he's going to be like a second or third round player, but knowing the type of offensive player that he is and that he might actually be without restrictions, where do you think he belongs in your lexicon? Because I think he could move up to the back end of the first once spring training is there and he's actually healthy and everyone realizes, oh, this is a 40-20 guy. But what would you do? I'd be happy to take him in a second. Uh, and uh, the back end of the first uh, actually has some question marks in it too. So. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind taking him after I think the 10th pick or so. I mean, you're already looking at, um, like Jordan Alvarez is probably in the top 10. So him or Soto. Yeah, I think Soto still runs. He's going to, maybe he's less injured. I think I might take him over Soto in non OVP leagues. You take Alvarez over, or no, I'm sorry. You said Soto. as a hitter over Soto. Yeah, I was thinking of Alvarez for a second. Um, yeah, I think he's in that space. So you yeah. might get some early discounts if you're doing like early, early drafts. But I think that's where you're heading if everything uh, works out. And then obviously there'll be that little push of wherever, whatever team he ends up signing with and what happens there. But that's the latest around Shohei Otani. Uh, we mentioned Blake Snell. So not only is he getting uh, interviewed by, it's Felix, right? Felix interviewed. Mm-hmm. That's going to be awesome. I'm very excited to see you get to send me that. I'm excited to see that. But I don't know if he asked him about uh, the Cy Young uh, race. I know he doesn't care about fantasy. Blake Snell does. But uh, he might have just locked it up. Blake did. He went seven, struck out 10, gave up no hits. And it's if you've ever been around Blake Snell, uh, I have an affectionate kind of weird thing with him and the impression and some of the stuff. But like he is a very unique individual. And I just don't think you would get this from a lot of players and i think this also speaks to him getting paid here but he kind of wanted to come out you know because he was near 100 pitches and as far as having a no hitter he said last night he said i understand a no hitter is an amazing accomplishment it's so hard to do i understand that i also understand how much i value health which i think a sub quote could be money it's an individual accolade it's cool for the team we get a no hitter, but it's cool when the bullpen comes in and you can trust them. It's the most Blake Snell comment of all time, but this is a guy that does also need to kind of think about himself for next season because he is in for what is going to be an insane payday. And I think he just locked up the Cy Young award though. Obviously Justin Steele's been good. Um, Strider struck out 11 last night as well. The walks per nine are really weird with Snell. It's like still over five where none of these other guys have it, but He's got, he's going to push 250 strikeouts on the year and has an almost two ERA. So uh, any thoughts you want to add to Blake Snell, the coming out of the no hitter, the free agency, the Cy Young, what do you got on Blake? Yeah, I got into uh, a really long protracted, uh, unfun, uh, uh, well, I don't know, it was Friday. I forgot what day it was. Uh, discussion when I mentioned that uh, I thought that ERA was a flawed stat uh, to to you know base your Cy Young voting on, um, partially because I think uh, errors are the worst stat in baseball. Uh, one of my examples was that Fernando Tatis has six errors and Nick Castellanos has zero, 
They're at the same position. If you use that to think that Fernando Tatis is a worse defender in right field than Nick Castellanos, then I am sorry. You're just wrong. It's <laughs> just wrong. You know, like I can't, I can't say it any other way. So I think errors are a really bad stat. They don't capture all of the times when a player doesn't even get to the ball. You know what I mean? And so you have these like people, if you, if you just sort by errors overall, you get a ton of shortstops. Why? Cause they get to a bunch of balls. Sometimes yeah. they make mistakes. You know what I mean? Um, but if you have it, if you have a shortstop without a lot of errors, does not mean they're good. It means maybe they're old and they don't have a good range. You know, so um, I think that those two things, the fact that the fact that uh, these two, there's two factors that I don't like to use ARA. One is uh, errors are the worst stat in baseball. And the second one is every ball in play is a team out. Now, I'm I'm not I'm not going so far as to say that pitchers have no control over balls in play. I want to be careful that I'm not saying that completely. But I do want to say that every ball in play is a team out. There are a bunch of people who touch that ball. You know, and every team out is some portion of responsibility of the fielders, the first baseman, the pitcher. And so therefore, team outs need to be considered somewhat differently than pitcher outs, like strikeouts, for example. So that's that's my argument that uh, I'm not just going to look at ERA and and call it a day. The ERA race now uh, is Blake Snell's anyway. This was when we had this discussion, Justin Steele and Blake Snell were like basically in a tie, maybe even Steele has better, but Steele gave up six runs in between. The other thing I just wanted to say real quick is that if you want to say, I only care about what happened, what happened on the field, you know, that's why I use ERA. Well, I would suggest to you use RA9 war. So RA9 war is just runs allowed per nine innings. And the reason that it's good that it's on the war thing is because you can do something where you can account for innings pitched, right? War is a counting stat. So RA9 war can, you know, basically takes innings and runs aloud and makes a number out of it. Guess who's number one? Blake Snell. Mm. Uh, and uh, the National League by RA9 war, which is just what happened and no fancy, you know, playing around with the numbers, goes Blake Snell number one, Logan Webb number two, Justin Steele number three, Zach Gallon number four, Zach Wheeler number five. I think if I had uh, a if I had a vote right now, uh, it would start there. Uh, there's some close ones like Webb and Steele uh, and Gallon are all basically tied. Um, so I might take those guys and start to look at FIP war, like who has more strikeouts and, and sort of sort them by that. But to me, uh, I can comment on this because I do not have an NL Cy Young vote. I cannot comment on the AL Cy Young. Uh, I would vote for Blake Snell if I had the NL Cyan. Okay, that's interesting because like how you were talking, I was like, oh, you're making a Justin Steele argument as you kind of were going through it, and then it turned into solidifying that because Justin Steele could walk himself into 19 wins by the end of the year. He has a sub two uh, walk per nine. His ERA is great. He doesn't have remotely close to the strikeouts the other guys do. So there's always debate yeah, around it. Snell has like 60 more strikeouts. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, Strider obviously has even more. An interesting stat, um, probably everyone's seen it, but Codify had it, that Blake Snell, when you talk about, you know, uh, the per nines and you talk about him going deep and you talk about the no hitter and him not going, he has accumulated nine total innings in the seventh inning or more this season. Seventh inning, 
or higher, he has accumulated. Oh, I thought nine. that was career. No, nine <laughs> innings this season or more in the same. <laughs> he actually could probably fool somebody that that was a career one for Blake Snell. But uh, yeah, it's good that you went there. I mean, I think it's kind of locked it up. But you know what? Anything can happen. It's not a takeaway from any of the other guys. I actually think it's cool. It's a nice race. You know, I don't think a lot of the other award awards have races that are there to talk about. You know, I don't think there's a lot of parity across them. There is parity on this one. I just think it pushed a little bit further, especially in your last one of your last three games. You're throwing a theoretical no hitter, though you you know couldn't go beyond the seventh. But that's where. Yeah, he's finishing well. Yeah, taking on the Dodgers, to choosing to take on the Dodgers instead of the A's, and um, you know, so there's a lot of there's some narrative there too. Um, uh, you know, also kind of fun. Uh, not too many people have won an AL and an NL Cy Young. Um, mm. so I don't have the list. I was about to say, who are they? <laughs> who are the people? Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing Roger Clemens. Let me see if I can just, uh, yeah, I'd be, I'm, I'm not even sure if I could like process immediately who those people are. Um, does, uh, who has multiple ones? Um, Verlander Scherzer got one in Detroit. Ah, Scherzer. Scherzer has two. I mean, Scherzer has uh, in both leagues. Uh, where? Um, Detroit and Detroit and uh, Washington. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of all the places he went. I was like, where did he get the other one? Okay, so there's Randy one. Johnson has Arizona and Seattle. Okay, so there's two. Um, Roger Clemens has Boston and I thought those are both in AL. If he had two. Yeah, probably. And then and then we're gonna go back to. Oh, David Cohn has one in Kansas City. Okay, so there's three. So this is going to no, be... No, I don't know. I don't know if David Cohn has one. Uh, did he have one in the Mets? Uh, I think Cohn only has one. So this is going to be a group of three people? Yeah, maybe three to five. Uh, I mean, that's, oh, that's Sandy, an elite group. Sandy Koufax with the Dodgers in the American League? Oh, that's... I, I'm showing that I don't know something here. <laughs> Sandy Koufax is listed uh, on the American League side on MLB, so I don't know why that is. Unless the Dodgers were American League in 1963. What? I think this is just an error on the And That seems like an error. Oh, one award for both leagues. Yeah, so it could have only happened since 1970. So, okay. yeah, there's not that many. Uh, Gaylord Perry has one in, in both leagues. Um... But we've only found three other players since 1970 that have done it. So, so that's cool. That's and and I think he deserves it. The other thing that I think is really cool, and this is what once my son was done interviewing uh, Blake, I I got in a couple hits real quick, which is um, I noticed that uh, Blake Snell did not have his good slider all year. Uh, For the first two months of the season, his slider was dropping three inches, two to three inches less than it normally did. And I asked him about that. He's like, "Yeah, I just got my slider back. Like I did not have it at the beginning of the season." And in a, in a way, I think it led to both the high walk totals, but also the good season in that he was forced to uh, really work on his curve and change. Um, and, and that change took, uh, was so critical. Every, I just remember it was like Spore and everybody. Everyone was very critical of like, stop throwing that change. Like Nick Pollock, stop throwing that change. And that change has been because dominant he can't this year. It. But he, but yeah, he, has he this can't year. normally command it. And, but he said it wasn't command that changed for him this year. Um, he wants. He told me that I should look up how his changeup does under uh, 88 or under 87 and over 88. So uh, I'll write about that at some point. He told me that uh, killing the velo on it was huge. 
mm. um, more so even than the command. So, uh, yeah, he tweaked the change up, uh, and he was curveball change up fastball for a lot of this season. And then he finally got the slider back. And that's kind of a cool thing about when you have a great season like this, there are stories where you're like, um, and then I had a great start. And then the second half, I got this other pitch, you know, and all the people who'd see me in the first half were like, damn, now he's got a slider back, you know? So that's, that's kind of the anatomy of a, of a Cy Young season is, you know, things have to break right. And then you also like make an adjustment that people don't expect. And you, uh, manage to be dominant all year. Do you think he's going to have to take a haircut on the money because he's a pitcher that can't go be really beyond the sixth? Like, do you think, cause I was about to ask the you like, innings. man, is he going to get like all the money in the world? He should break records. But then at the same time, like, is he going to have to take a haircut because he is, he's kind of a bullpen dependent pitcher as good as he is. Right. Yeah. He, he's not efficient. He's out in the fifth a lot. Uh, you, you can see it in his innings totals also that there's been a lot of injury. Um, you know, he's had the, the other Cy Young was at 180 and this year's going to be 180. And then every other season probably averages out to 120 or so. Uh, so he's going to give you, you know, if you sign him for five years, he's probably going to give you 120s in four of those years and 180 in one of those years. You know, that's just, that's the math on, on his career so far. And, uh, so I don't think he's going to get, uh, the entire bag. But I do think that uh, he's coming off a better sort of platform than Kevin Gossman and Robbie Ray. So I do think he's going to do better than the 110 and five that they got. I don't know if somebody's going to give him six with his injury history, um, but maybe like six and 150. I don't think uh, there's no way there's things low, you think? I, I, I mean, I, I kind of thought. You got a dual Cy what Young the winner. Rom deal, 180. I, I was thinking like he's a 200, uh, $200 million pitcher, but maybe, I mean, with the market, like who else is out there? Otani's not out there anymore. I mean, there's not, there, there's not that much. You're right. It may, the market may push him further. I feel like you, the, the Giants would have been a team, the, the Rangers, the, like somebody would the, unload. But you're not, he's not going to get like a, um, a, a Garrett Cole deal because Garrett Cole was like healthy, uh, you know, great tra- track record, uh, like different age, uh, just impeccable, uh, impeccable results. So like, I don't think he's going to go as far as the Garrett Cole deal. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll see what it is. Interesting stuff. You'll have some more fun off season stuff that people can, uh, take a look, apparently not just read, but also, uh, listen to, I'm excited to see all that stuff. Uh, that's Blake Snell, uh, some injury stuff that's floating out there. Detroit Tigers outfielder Riley Green is having surgery on his right elbow on Wednesday. He's out for the year. This is out for the year season, you know, and uh, it was a pretty good, like, there's a pretty good bounce in there, like three months, uh, two months of Riley Green. And man, we're turning it around like Spencer Torkelson has taken all of that. It's funny because I thought those guys were turning in the same direction. I think Riley Green in the offseason is going to be probably a decent amount less expensive than Spencer Torkelson now just because of the injuries and the counting stats didn't look like a monster, but he definitely on a full season looks like he could be one of those guys that's going to be a nice late value as far as um, outfielders go. Like Torkelson might is probably going to push top 100 value. Riley Green probably won't do that, but I don't know if you, I don't even know if you were a big Riley Green guy this year. I did. I think I uh, bold predicted him into 25 homers, which is too bad because he, like with a full season, maybe he could have done it, but uh, I think next year I would try to buy him as a 275 2010 guy. Yep. Um, and uh, that's not that's not something 
that I don't I don't think that's something that'll be get pushed too high. You know, that's uh that's like in a twelve teamer, that's like maybe a bench pick, you know? Yeah. So the, the, but, the, there's some value there. But in shallower but it definitely has upside beyond if he if he's just healthy all season and and the, another level clicks. There's um, the possibility that uh, he makes a little bit more contact and makes a little bit more out of his barrels. Uh, but he hits the ball really hard and uh, ha- has shown pretty decent eye and is an athlete. So th- those are the types of players I like to pick up. You'd love to, I'd love to hear you reporting about like him doing the large new bar type of stuff, you know, just like get like really get really like break in analytical about your approach with the big hard hit numbers, like learn to barrel those big hard hits even more and make bigger impact. But uh, something to monitor with Riley Green, another uh, IL stint, which probably ends the year. Uh, Orioles plays Ryan Mountcastle on the 10 day retroactive to the 17th. So I suppose we still could get back with it. Uh, he had a left AC joint uh, inflammation. And what that has done is open up an opportunity for Ryan O'Hearn, who has actually been pretty good, and Heston Kerstad, who just hit his second homer the other day. And if you had to pick one of those guys to kind of ride out for this last like 10 days, are you going to go with the rookie as far? I mean, I think there's 10 to 11 potential games between like Thursday and next week that the Orioles can play. I don't know how many, much either one of them are going to like eat into each other, but Kerstad or Ryan O'Hearn with Mountcastle out. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is meme mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. It's interesting because they're both lefties. I'm going to just go with O'Hearn. He's having a really underrated season with a 22% strikeout rate. Uh, really solid all year. Uh, definitely, um, I think if you had the choice as a manager, you know, between this 30-year-old uh, guy who's you know, reliably getting on base and having one of the best seasons of his career versus, uh, you know, depending on a rookie who's who's striking out a fair amount. Um, I think you're going to go with O'Hearn. But I did want to point out that I saw something uh, post-conversation with Al Melchior um, about uh, S.C. Kerstad's minor league barrel rates. Now, if anybody knows where I can get minor league barrel rates, please let me know because I saw somebody on Twitter saying that he had elite minor league barrel rates. 
Um, I have always tried to approximate barrel rates by saying something like Heston Kersad has a 42% hard hit rate at AAA, a 113.5 max EV, and uh, a 38% ground ball rate. I would assume that somebody like that has a good barrel rate. You know what I mean? Yep. Because they're hitting the ball hard and they're putting it in the air. Um, but I, don't, I have never seen an actual barrel percentage number when it comes to a minor leaguer. So that's something that I would be very interested in seeing. Um, what we are seeing with Heston at the major league level is uh, that he's only put uh, eight balls in a play and three of them were barrels. Uh, and so he has an insane hard hit rate of 88% <laughs> and a barrel rate of 38%. Were that to continue, he would be the best hitter in baseball. Of all time, uh, ever. Yeah, right. <laughs> the greatest hitter that's ever lived. But, uh, I mean, Heston but I'll, I'll still take O'Hearn in the short, short yeah. term. I, 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 I find Heston capacity. The re, what we talked about, I'd, I'd love to get your input on how you see Heston because uh, I mentioned Tom Trudeau's uh, scouting the stat line said it doesn't like him because he only had a 116 WRC plus as a 24-year-old in AAA. Other uh, analysts have mentioned that uh, it's not his fault. He's 24. It was myocarditis and some other stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, that he's had better success at other levels. We, I thought, liked Heston by the eye test uh, at the Fall League. Yeah, I'm, 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 that's fine, whatever the, the, the numbers are going to say on that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm in lockstep with um, – I, I saw some of this discourse and the arguments that were going online, which mm-hmm. is really made, by the way, like, there's a lot of fantasy baseball Twitter and prospect Twitter that is unbearable and people are becoming unbearable. And uh, it, it's the, one of the better approaches sometimes is maybe just to find your people and don't get into the discourse and just get out of the negativity. And for some reason, some of these guys bring it up and, and Kerstad is one of those players, but I'm in the camp of like, I've seen him a bunch and there's some serious, there was some serious medical stuff. His almost entire first season being drafted was taken out. And then there's, you know, I talked with Royce Lewis about, this was 2019 or whatever, how one month of injury set his entire season back where it was like, it was in mm-hmm. spring training. He hurt his wrist. And then he was spending his first couple months of the season as kind of a spring training approach, but without the coaching. And then the confidence level came back and it's like you deal with, I think it was two different medical things that Heston Kerstad was having. I think that's serious enough. And then getting him in the fall league, it was MVP. I mean, he was barreling everything. He shows weird speed. You know, he had a inside the park Homer in the AFL. He did it here this year. Again, he barrels up the ball. He's got a, there's a big front. It's actually kind of like Royce, the big front leg kick that generates this massive power. And there's some swing and miss in the game, but Kershaw also does barrel up the ball and hits it incredibly hard and has a big, and you could see that in the AFL and it extended over to this year. So the argument, if people are kind of wondering, becomes about more long-term because I think there's a lot of things that obviously you want to weigh it over multiple years. And if you were to only weigh it over this year, the argument for some of the people, some of some of these people are that like, well, yeah, sure. He'd be great if you did it this year, but if you look at all of it and it's like, well, I think this is one of those instances where you kind of have to take back the, all of it a little bit because you know, that first season back was his first professional season off of a major injury and missed time. I think that has to be accounted for. And if you do wait what's happening right now, he was killer this year. I mean, he had almost 300 at both levels at double A AA and triple A. I don't care about the age. The strikeouts have cut down. The walk rates are up there. The hard hit numbers are there. And then 
he's hitting over 300 and only a couple games in the major leagues. Like all of this to me is a very good push for Heston Kerstad. Is he going to be elite? Probably not. Does he have 30 home run potential? Yep. He absolutely does. And he has a potential to hit for a high batting average as he's doing it in the majors, did it in the minors this year. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not spouting off a whole lot of craziness um, that, you know, of, of, of projected numbers and stuff like that. I could see where projections might not like him, but I do believe if you were to get some of those minor league numbers, which are hard to get, sometimes you would see a high barrel percentage. You probably see a 15 to 20% barrel percentage. You know, the hard hit numbers are there and he's a pretty hard worker and he's in an organization that's doing a pretty good job with a lot of these hitters. So those are some like slight caveats to me that are like, yeah, I think this is a, this kind of an exciting guy. I don't see any, and I, I'm sorry, I'm going on about this, but I also don't see mm. like a value in trading him right now. I don't think his value is up enough where you'd be like, oh, you get, get out from under him now. I actually think a full off season off of the majors could be one of the best things for him going into next year. And I think he can build yeah, off. That's true. Of this you have to year. think also like what it means to say sell high, like, you know, is Heston Kerstad like, you know, showing up anywhere as a top five prospect on any list? No. So you're not going to, you're not going to like capitalize on, you know, a bunch of people being over their skis on Heston Kerstad. Really. What you I can mean, maybe, what you can capitalize lucky on. And, one guy in your league loves him maybe a little bit more than they should. Or now, what I you mean, can capitalize on is he, if there, I guess he is a little bit older. Yeah, if there's a bunch of, uh, I just, I just think the age a bunch is of sleeper it, articles about him or something. I think the age is just kind of a, irrelevant a little bit here. But you could also argue that it's like, well, none of these things are ever irrelevant when you come to, when you build this into math, and that's totally fine. One right. thing you can't take advantage of is if there's a whole bunch of people like me that are believers and then someone listens and they're like, Oh, okay. Well, seven of these analysts that I like really believe in mm -hmm. him. Okay. Then you can start to take advantage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I picked him up. I have this like thing in my 12 team league where you can pick up players and if they don't make it to their rookie, uh, rookie number, like 150 at bats or whatever, uh, plate appearances, then uh, you can keep them as prospects. So I just picked up Esker stat and made him a prospect, uh, in this league. And so I, I'm sure that some people will come calling. And, and so there probably is a price where I'd say yes, but um, always you know, listen. On the other hand, yeah, I, yeah I'll, I'll listen. But the other thing, uh, just uh, to finish, uh, finish this up, um, is that from uh, the eye test, which I don't really rely on too much, but one thing that I thought was really impressive, and I think this does show in the numbers, is not only could he barrel for power, but he hit the other way too. Yeah. So we saw him hit a couple doubles the other way. So I, I see that's why the strikeout rate's a little bit lower. And that combination is something I really value because that's the type of person that can hit for batting average and hit for power. And uh, there's there's not that many of that in the game. So that's the, that's the real tantalizing aspect is is the possibility of 325 or 330 uh, from uh, 300 slash 25, 300 slash 30 from Heston. But yeah, uh, yeah. Here in the short run, I'll probably take O'Hearn over him in redrafts. And I totally agree. Redraft, I would do the same thing. I think there's he might be nice sleeper value next year. I mean, you also got to love like he's lowered his ground ball rate pretty much like at every single level of, of the of uh, his minor league stints. But I would also say the last thing on this is in defense of everybody on both sides of the Heston Kershaw debate, it probably is somewhere in the middle, as usually most debates are. There's extremes on both sides of you know, he's nothing. This is what this says, or I've seen him and this is what this says. It's probably somewhere in the middle. And that's where you can end up lying. Is he completely overrated? Is he completely the real deal? 
just find that middle ground, and that's probably yeah, the happy like, it could place. Could be two eighty thirty or three hundred twenty twenty five or something. And yeah, he had probably has wider variance. If we're being honest, he probably has the variance of like he could be a two thirty hitter up to being a two seventy hitter. You know, somewhere in there. And those yeah. high variance guys are a little bit riskier if you are a, a shaker and a mover, if you're a buyer and a seller. I think Kirstad might mm-hmm. be one of those guys you could sit on for a little bit more time. Uh, I brought up Royce Lewis, by the way. Royce, oh, dude, are you kidding me? Yeah, I wanted to mention this. Royce Lewis has been the most exciting, you know, player over the last mm. month. He's scheduled to in, undergo an MRI on his left hamstring. That is happening tomorrow. So you're probably not going to know anything until Friday. So he's going to miss the next couple of days. This is also on top of them losing Carlos Correa. But this is the type of thing that could end Royce's season a little bit early. In, you know, I think Royce has solidified himself well, to, to probably being the playoffs. They need him in that lineup, man. Yeah. And, and he might be back for, I really think Royce is going to open our eyes when we see his value, his ADP next season. I think he is going to be a massively high play. Like, what do you think off the top of your head? It might be a trap. I, I, I mean, I'm kind even, of leading. To he that. came back and hit a bunch of grand slams and everyone's like, Oh my God, totally forgot about the two ACLs. Like just a complete bam, guess. What do you think? Where, where do you think? Overvalued. No, no, no. But like, give me like a number, like a range, a number range. Um, who was like an oft injured guy that, that got some, I, I would say like probably like 150 or something. Oh, I think he's going to be, I think he might be top 75. I think he might be. Wow. In the, I think you'll see drafts, especially if you're talking, because what sets the market in FBC, those early drafts and what are those plays usually about the highest upside? There's a safety factor in there, but there's high upside. Mm. I think Royce he misses Especially the stolen bases. The early but. season ones are like best balls and drafting holes. Yeah. And you do actually care a little bit more because you could take Royce Lewis as your MI and then you could take somebody like JP Crawford. Maybe he goes up too, but like somebody like JP Crawford, just a vanilla everyday guy as your third shortstop that can step in when Royce Lewis is hurt, you know? I, I that's what I think you're gonna see. And I think I think you're gonna have inside the and top. Those are gonna float easy. those are gonna float Royce up higher because those those use cases. And then people who get into, you know, main event type stuff may not want that risk and so it'll come back down again. And the question will be is this little is this injury going to buy back some of the value of the overpay you're going to have to do next year, or does he recover from this MRI, come back, hit some more grand slams, and now he's going top seventy five? So you're right, so it could like be a, a great great postseason. Yeah, crazy postseason, but that's a bummer yeah. for people that are trying to vie for the playoffs. Uh, speaking of which, I did want to talk. It's funny we were talking. You're like we're not really like a streamer show. Uh, you're right, but people are in their playoffs. You've got ten days or so left, and you and I will probably do this on Friday, so we don't need to tackle the weekend. I just wanted to throw a couple names out. Your opinion holds some of the biggest weight in the industry, especially on the pitching side. Two pitchers, I think, that are really fascinating. And then if you've got any other pitchers you want to throw out that might be Thursday, Friday um, streamers for people. But Sir Gibson Long, 18% Yahoo percentage, 5% ESPN, What probably picked up in a lot of, I think, CBS leagues, he's at least like 25%. He went out this past week and he struck out 11. He has got a really nice matchup against the Oakland A's. And if you were looking at a streamer that really might be sitting out there, I'm not sure there's a better one over the next four days, but there's risk. There is absolute risk to it. So I'd love to get your take on uh, Sir Gibson Long for his, what now it was Thursday. It looks like he's been pushed to Friday up against the A's and your trust in streaming him. 
I would. That's I think my favorite streamer of the of the next two days of Thursday and Friday. Um, he just blew the doors off the hinges when it came to uh, you know stuff plus. Uh, he's had such a, a fantastic um, minor league season, and I know I just I feel bad that uh, you know I haven't uh, you know come out here and 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 highlighted him before. Um, but, uh, one of the things that's kind of annoying is, uh, when somebody like, um, uh, you know, comes through at a certain times, like, uh, his triple a times were, uh, I guess just after I'd just done updates in the triple a data, you know? <laughs> um, and so, uh, you know, he just kind of, you know, that happens sometimes with prospects too, where they're like, they go, they get on fire between, you know, after the halfway mark. And before the end of the season, and so they don't get put on those updated lists at the halfway mark or yep. whatever. Um, so you know, he just sort of fell between the cracks. And um, I would just say that uh, Stuff Plus loves all his pitches, and just the fact that it loves its fastballs is good enough for me because he threw uh, more than twenty of each of those, and that's a decent sample for Stuff Plus. So uh, really standout fastballs um, and a really great matchup. Um, 21% swinging strike rate in his first 10 innings. Just uh, absolute filth from him. And then, you know, what you're looking at uh, when you're looking at Thursday and Friday is a, a fair amount of TBDs. Got this ba- Baltimore-Cleveland situation that's a TBD. Some places have Ryan Pepio going uh, on Thursday for the Dodgers, but he obviously isn't because he went last night. Um, you're going to have stuff like Randy Vasquez. He's a guy I like. Uh, for the New York Yankees, he might go three and then Johnny Brito comes in and steals his win from him again. Um, so I don't know that I can recommend Randy Vasquez, even though I like him. Um, you know, uh, you've got another TBD between the Giants and the Dodgers, and that's just an awful, awful TBD because that could be uh, 13 pitchers in that, in that one game. Um, TBD is going to be very popular over the next week. Yeah, and like I can't rec, and then there's some that I just can't recommend, like Dakota Hudson and Patrick Corbin, and um, you know I, I, you could give it a shot at Oviedo, but Oviedo is just really disastrous or great. It's, it seems like there's nothing in between. Uh, the command is either there or it's not, and um, so I can't recommend that. The one name that looks like there's two names for me that look somewhat safe, don't have a ton of upside, but you know, should be available and somewhat safe and are very boring. Oh, look at this. Kyle Hendricks is listed as a starter on Thursday and Friday. So. Yeah, I think it was originally, <laughs> it's interesting because he was originally Friday up against Colorado, but then mm-hmm. maybe there's talk of moving him up to he would go against Pittsburgh. I don't think either one matters for me. I think I'm fine with you. I think he's a decent ratio guy that's not going to get strikeouts and stuff, but if you want to hug your ratios and maybe me, go for a win, know. does he still scare you against yeah, either one of those teams? Me. Okay. Uh, those are good matchups. Uh, the two that I like slightly better than him are Wade Miley at uh, at St. Louis. Um, Wade Miley, to me, is what you're talking about. When you say Kyle, Kyle Hendricks, I think of Wade Miley. Like, mm. boring, not going to strike out a bunch of guys, but probably not going to do the one, like the Johan Oviedo could give you three innings and six runs. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think Wade Miley will do that. And then the other one, was the other one that I kind of liked? Um, TBD, France, or JP France again? Well, okay, so against the Royals, I just think it's a good matchup. He's at home. 
So let me turn this because this is the one I wanted to ask you about. The percentage is not going to probably be available out there, but I feel like this has been a really important one for people is Cole Reagans. And um, I kind of did this earlier in the week. I actually was talking to Nick Pollock and Nick is fine with it. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because if you want to look at where has he gotten hit a little bit, you know, Cole Reagans has been awesome. It was against Houston. It was Houston in his last start. He gave up five over six, walked a couple. He had not given up five earned runs over. Actually, he had given up five earned runs if you combine his previous five starts. So Houston got to him a little bit. My only thing I'm bringing up here is if you are, this is the point of the year where it's tight. Like, you know, your playoff run can be contingent on a pitcher getting blown up. Most people are. Are you comfortable with Cole Reagans going against Houston after everything he's done? Obviously strikeouts are in play, but let's say you are just bracing for some of those ratios and a six earned run start is really going to hurt you. Is there any trepidation about Cole Reagans on Friday? I'm, uh, I don't. Yes. A little bit, obviously I'm like, you can hear my voice, but, uh, I do think that, uh, you know, there's some variability in, uh, his approach, um, uh, in terms of what Cole Reagans can do. Uh, I mean, he's a five pitch pitcher now, so he can come back against, uh, against Houston and, uh, he's thrown the cutter more than he did in that one. He's uh, he's thrown the the curve more than he did in that one. Uh, you know he's uh, he's thrown the uh, the changeup more than he did in that one. So maybe he could come back and and, and throw more changeups or throw more curves. You know, like he's not uh, such a uh, he's not a two pitch pitcher. So it's not like he can't come back and and you know do something different against Houston. And the one of the reasons that I like him in terms of his arsenal is that I think that uh, those are all viable pitches. Uh, and so I think he can come back. I'm trying to, you know, trying to come up with the, um, you know, the, the game page for that one just to see uh, uh, that last start, just to see how, how hard they hit the ball. But um, uh, what do you have? When's that start again? It was the 16th. So I should have probably 16. pulled that up. That would have been nice. Where he went six. And by the way, he has gone six in like he still went six five and of struck his out, last six. Strikeouts and walks weren't bad on that one. It's no, they hits. were. It was just earned, uh, my only point to all of this, and it's not to create fear about Cole Reagans, It's just yeah. on a Friday, there is a little bit more of a concern if you have a really close ratio thing. And this is just mm. a tougher matchup. This is like someone was asking like, hey, Zach Wheeler versus the Braves. It's like, you know, you have a really good pitcher versus the Braves. You get a little bit dicey. This is later in the week. Everything about Cole Reagan screams positivity. The strikeouts are always there. Five of the last six, he has gone six. There's quality starts in there. It's just his team doesn't pick up a lot of wins, and this is a team that just hit him. So that's why I think it's just worth conversing because I think there's going to be some people that are going to have some concerns about it. Like, would they be better? Would you be better streaming Gibson Long against the A's or putting out Cole Reagan's versus the Astros? I mean, you're probably Gibson not getting. I don't I even know if you would get like five out of Gibson one. Long. Yeah. That's my concern about him. Is like maybe yeah. you're maybe you can but, get the but good. Are ratios. you going to get a win out of out of? Uh, yeah. Out of Cole Reagan. These are all the these are all the questions to ask. That I think it doesn't feel like those are close, but I think they might be. Uh, I think you can get five out of Gibson Long, and I think you can get the win. So I would have just uh, if 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 there's no keeper concerns or what you're going to do the next week or 
Do I want to have Reagans for his next start? If there's no concern like that, uh, just purely Thursday and Friday, I'm going to have Gibson Long over Cole Reagans because of matchup mostly. Yeah. Uh, last thing I just wanted to, I just want to throw a couple of these out real quick. We, we don't have to get into discussions, but a little mini little baby uh, project prospect. Just to mention a couple of things, Ricky Tiedemann has been moved up to AAA, uh, not a ton of innings this year. I know that gets exciting. I will say, I think of all years, levels just don't matter. <laughs> like levels don't ma- levels matter so much less to me than ever before because of amount of at bats. I mean, maybe I'm overstating it. I'll look in the offseason even more, but the amount, I think it's positive when players can, um, they can dominate the levels. But you see guys getting moved up, and I think people get all like, whoa, they're moving up. It's just more innings. Ricky Tiedemann also is rumored to be um, confirmed for the AFL. So rumored, confirmed. I've heard essentially he's going unless something crazy happens, which he'll be one of the best pitchers. Well, something crazy seen. could happen. If he if he's an injury replacement on the roster for the major league team, I believe he can still be uh, eligible for the postseason. I'm, and, not, I'm not sure about that, but and that's... They, that's they could that's do a that loophole that's been used before. Yeah, and they and that that is a possibility. So that could, but take they don't them seem as there. desperate anymore for a starting pitcher. And Tiedemann has struggled with getting deep into games, so I think that's why you go to the AFL. He had that arm issue that was going on, so just uh, get him ready for next year. Yeah, he's well, been moved up. To uh, what's up with the results? I mean, the the strikeouts are amazing. The walks are not great. Uh, I mean, he, there's a little bit of like uh, there's a Blake Snellian in in him. If you're looking at that, I love Ricky. Mm. I'm trying to pull up his numbers and everything is not working. for me. Well, now. right now at double A this year, thirty nine point seven percent strikeout rate, primo strikeout rate. In fact, if you look uh, across uh, his work in the minors, uh, you're talking about uh, like a 40 plus percent strikeout rate. And that, I mean, he, he, it's, he's like every outing, it's three innings, eight strikeouts. He just blows yeah. stuff by hitters. I mean, he is 13.7% walk rate this year, the highest of his minor league career. And I'm, I couldn't uh, be more excited. Not, about I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know that it's a, it's so worrisome yet because, uh, you know, for the minor leagues in terms of walks, he has 25, 29, 30, 50, uh, walks in, uh, 38. 40, 51, 88, 119 innings. 50 walks, 119 innings. That's not great, but uh, that's 3.8. 3.8 for nine? Yeah, and I think that's why you also make sure you send out to the AFL, and that's why we're most likely going to see him. So that'll be a great, you know, like I think. I mean, they're sending him to the AFL to push the innings. Number well, one, also, yeah, to, I guess also, yeah, probably to work on some stuff. It'd probably be yeah. the biggest name pitcher since Forrest Whitley, which hopefully it doesn't go that direction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Nate Pearson. Um, <laughs> say that again. The other quick ones, Wyatt Langford across all four. T- I'm taking this from a I think this was a thing on pipeline uh, across all four tiers of the minors. Langford has a 374 slash 480 OBP, 27 extra base hits, 29 RBIs. I'm a Dylan Cruz guy, but I can't deny Wyatt Langford has literally moved across the entire spectrum. He was here in complex like two months ago, and he looks like the best hitter in the minor leagues right now. He's the number one first year player. And even though I love Dylan Cruz, I think Dylan Cruz can be a monster. It's hard to deny the hard hit levels, the, he, how he's barreling, the, the impact that he's making. Langford and Cruz next year in redraft league. Yeah. They're going to be in the, they're going to be in the major leagues next year. Uh, yeah. What, <laughs> what is yeah. Texas going to do? What do you mean? Like, who are they going to move like off? Trade from? Adolis or 
Well, I mean, they they have like Leotis. Yeah, they got Leotis out there. Like they, your outfield can be Evan Carter, Wyatt Langford, and Adolis, and everything else can just. If Tavares is the fourth outfielder, yeah, he's a fourth, a great fourth outfielder. Maybe maybe Langford is more of a DH if they you know they can mess around with the DH spot. Uh, I I don't. Mitch Garver, worry about a free it. agent. Um, you just play more catcher. I mean, you got Heim. Yeah, I mean that might be the DH, but I I don't think. My, I guess my point is I don't think Leody Tavares is the reason that you move back to Langford. The aggressive Langford. move is insane, and he is the number one first year player. And he's, I think, my yeah, buddy Eric Cross put him at number one overall crazy. on his prospect list. Yeah, it's crazy. Does he have more walks than strikeouts? Uh, I want to say that that's true. He does. Yeah, he's he's insane. Just barely. Yeah, so first year players. You live in the rich life if you got that. Uh, the only other two, I saw this note, Jackson Churio is the first teenager to have a 20-40 season, 20 homers, 40 stolen bases in the minors since Ronald Acuna in 2017. And uh, funny enough, I was talking with uh, Chris Blessing on my prospect show, Prospect One, and Blessing had said something about a month ago of like, oh, he's the best you know, prospect I've seen since Ronald Acuna hitting. And um, <laughs> statistically, he's doing that, not playing in the AFL. And then uh, finally, a guy that is also rumored to play in the AFL, uh, kind of focusing on some AAA players. There's others we could have. Kyle Manzardo, four homers in his last seven games, really picking it back up as he's missed a ton of time and going to be one of those guys that is probably going to get dinged a lot off of what happened this year, but he's having a have really good back end. you heard about him end. for AFL? Yes, I, I've heard that he, he, has a, he has a every reason to go except he has a very personal thing going on in his family That's right. Yeah. Uh, with a medical issue that that would be the reason I think he doesn't go. Every other reason says he should and would more, more plate appearances, finishing school, get ready for next season. Those are the reasons that he would be there. Exactly. And he's need more bats having a hot start. So a couple things will be on the lookout for next week. We'll probably be able to speak on the Arizona fall league rosters because I believe they're going to be posted on Friday so you and I can uh, maybe take a little peek at some of the prospects and a mini uh, project prospect. Some of the players we'll be seeing out in the Arizona Fall League next week and a whole lot more. Uh, Al and Eno are coming up on Friday. You guys will be talking about the weekend stuff, all the latest news. We'll be back. The final I, push. I believe the it's final only... countdown. <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's only two more next week, and then I think there's a little break, if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, we just always found it really awkward to do rates and barrels through the, the beginning of the playoffs. Uh, at least once the playoffs get going, we can kind of uh, talk about you know what the if anything the playoffs mean for next year or what to avoid thinking about and that sort of stuff. But um, and also sometimes our schedules uh, get kind of crazy. Um, you know, with uh, my schedule in particular in terms of writing for the playoffs, previews and reviews and this and that. So uh, we just wanted to bake in uh, maybe a couple weeks off. And then, um, you know, the Arizona Fall League is a, is a really great time to get it going again because there's a lot of people there that are getting it going. There's going to be some early drafts we can talk about. We're going to do a podcast from the Arizona Fall League, so that makes sense to to get the the uh, listenership back up and online again before we do that because that's a really fun one. Yeah, I usually come and heckle other people's podcasts uh, at the Arizona Fall League, and so I've already gotten the promise from a couple people that they will come and return favor 
Uh, so that's always a, a fun reason to listen live uh, to our, our podcast down there. It'd be interesting to see if uh, Nick Pollock or uh, any of the people I have I have heckled will come back and bite me in the ass. Probably as long as it's not like a midnight recording, because they've got some late night recordings on the podcast front. But uh, DVR is going to be there. Those are the ones where I ended up heckling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're a little bit late in the night. We're all relaxing. Yeah, exactly. There's a little bit of heckling going on. Uh, I can tell you guys for everybody that dearly misses DVR, which we all do, but you know, sometimes I might. He's going to be at the folly. Yeah, he's going to be at first bit. I might make people miss DVR sometimes. Uh, He'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, I don't know my state of everything, but then, yeah, he will be out at the fall league and it will be, uh, you guys there. I'll probably end up doing something with you guys in some capacity. Um, so be on the lookout for all those things, just kind of prepping you for things. Hey, you're going to do the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. Then there you go. We'll have the podcast. It'll be great. Uh, hopefully everybody will be out there. We can talk about more of that when it gets there. Make sure you go to the athletic.com slash rates and barrels, get yourself a subscription. So i so excited about the Blake Snell article. So uh, <laughs> I hope you guys are as well. You can do that. Uh, really also a, a late promotion for it is you want all the offseason content that's going to be coming. So make sure you're locked into that. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. And, uh, you know, and I'll talk to you guys in a couple days. Thank you guys for hanging out with us right here on Rates and Barrels. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.